You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. Stewards, week two. Uh, So we started this last week, and we uh, started off by describing these, these areas of stewardship, that it's more than just money, right? Just a quick review. Uh, flip to that next slide there. Mike, we got creation. Uh, I decided to blow these up so we could see them a little better because, you know, some of us have bad eyes. That'll be really funny later. Uh, creation, the next one, uh, resources, followed by self. I really like the brain. The brain turned out really good on that one. It looks really cool. Uh, followed by relationships followed by the gospel. And so when we talk about stewardship, as we talk through these four weeks, we're talking about stewarding in all four of these areas. And it's not just, uh, it's not, and, and, and we're talking about higher level concepts. We're not talking about just stewardship in this area. We're talking about what does it mean to have this be more overarching? Or today we're going to talk about investing. Uh, which is going to have a lot of conversation about good eyes and bad eyes and our perspectives. We're going to talk about what we invest in. And what we invest in applies to all of these categories. Now, I don't know whether wrestling this week in care groups or, or LTGs or talking about this stuff with people you noticed, but I imagine some of these areas are um, perhaps more natural to you. I know for me, resources, uh, it was pointed out to me actually in footnotes. You can have, you can hear this occurring live. If you listen to this week's episode, Rob hits me with a question and then we went down a rabbit trail that I don't think he knew we were going to go. But, um, like I'm decent at stewarding my resources. That's something that kind of comes natural, whether or not it's natural because it's ingrained in me or whether it's natural that my parents taught this to me and I just grew up. It's a nurture thing. Um, but resources kind of comes natural. Self, on the other hand, Lori, don't you shake your head that fast. That's just insulting. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not very good at stewarding myself. More on that later. Okay. But for you, I, I would imagine that you had some of these areas that seemed like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It clicks. And other areas, like, Creation, for me, I was like, I'm not even sure what that looks like. I have a better idea because I had a lot of conversations with one Kyle Wonders this week. And I don't know if you know this, he's kind of into the environment and creation. He's kind of big on that. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we are, uh, we're going to move on and, and continue talking, but I wanted to make sure that we have this perspective of we're talking about all of these areas, and we're talking about a concept that kind of sits above all five of these areas. And we'll be doing that for the rest of the series here also. 
So we're going to talk about uh, a good eye and a bad eye. And I'm pulling this out of Matthew 6, verses 22 and 23 um, that we're going to look at. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the darkness within you, or if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is a common teaching, uh, teaching technique or a common saying, a common analogy maybe during Jesus' time to compare somebody to having a good eye or a bad eye. See, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, if you have a good eye, then your whole body will be full of light. To say that somebody has a good eye means, it says, they're generous. That's really what it breaks down to. You see things through a lens of trust, through a, 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 a lens of faith. You, you have this outlook on life that says God is good and God is a God of abundance and there will be enough. I may not see it all the time, but there will be. I believe it's kind of the optimist, right? On the flip side, if you have a bad eye, then that's saying that you're stingy. You look at the world through a lens that says, mm, I need to hold on to what I can get. I need to grab as much as I can. There isn't enough for everything. Like There isn't enough to go around. It's the pessimist. It's the, the negative Nancy, if you will, right? Perhaps, uh, and, and you, you view God this way. You, you see God as a wrathful, vengeful deity, like he's an angry God, right? Versus a God that, created a good creation and who loves us <clears throat> and is benevolent. So you, you have this positive outlook or this negative outlook, generous, stingy, good eye, bad eye. And so we're going to go back to the parable that we used last week, the parable of the talents. And we're going to kind of use the lens of looking at good eye and bad eye. So Matthew 25, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. This is Jesus telling the parable, of course, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and another one bag or talents as we called them last week. I'm using NIV because I like NIV because that's what I do my LTG readings in now. And so that should become my go-to. It's just really weird because I didn't used to like it, but anyway. So we got bags of gold this week, which equal about a million dollars per bag of gold, as we figured out last week, right? So these are big bags or really good gold. I don't know. Somebody can do the math on that. <clears throat> the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. The person, uh, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and he dug a hole and he buried it in the ground. He put his master's money in the ground. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five 
more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Same response. Maybe take a note of that. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that it, when I returned, it would have received it, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, lazy servant, and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We didn't cover that last bit last week, did we? That's, that's a drastic turn in this parable. It's a harsh ending. <sighs> kind of Jesus coming in hot, full, no holds barred, off the top rope with this one. Now, first off, I want to make sure that we're all clear on the surface level teaching of this parable. Just right off the, the surface level teaching here, the Peshat, as we talked about in the, in the parable series, um, is that you will have to give an account. It's pretty clear. Like you're going to have to give an account of what the master, what God has gifted you, what he, is, what he has given to you to steward. You're going to have to give an account of that. And specifically, when you, when you pull this apart, and we talked a little bit on footnotes this last week, and Marty's blog that we linked there uh, pulls this apart and does a really good job of that, so we're not going to get into it today. I'm just going to tell you where we end up. It's you're going to have to give an account of how you used that to walk out the kingdom, how you used that to provide for the needy. And this whole thing is being told as a set of three parables. There's one on either side of it. And it's part of a larger conversation about the destruction of Jerusalem, which could, as I was digging into this, probably could be a whole sermon series unto itself. There's a lot going on in there. But this parable, I think, gives us an opportunity to look at these various lenses that we can see the world through. The first thing I want to cue in on is that phrase, so I was afraid. That was his response. The, the third servant has to come give this account. He, has to, he, he says, Master, I was afraid because I, I saw you in this way. You're this cruel master. And so I was afraid. How many times have you come and had, maybe had the perspective on God of, man, I, yeah, I just... You make sure that I do things right, because if not, there's a punishment coming. I know when I grew up in the, like my 
childhood in the church, there was a fair amount of that. Fire and brimstone, right? How does that affect what you do, how you invest, how you steward? If you have the wrong perspective on God in these five areas, then you will steward from a place of fear and pain. Too often we find ourselves in a, in a double bind of sorts. Of ch- and we end up choosing, this, this servant was in a double bind. He, he, you guys know what I mean by double bind? A double bind is a, it's, a, it's being stuck somewhere that you don't want to be. But in order to get out of that, you have to go through something that is uncomfortable and you don't want to do. Uh, example, maybe like a, 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 an alcoholic needs to give up drinking because it's killing them. But in order to go to give up drinking, to leave that place of pain, the alcoholic would have to go through withdrawals, which are terrible. And because that's scary and unknown, a lot of times, and, and it doesn't make sense to anybody on the outside. Outside looking in, you're going, this is going to kill you. Why aren't you doing this? But it's terrifying when you're on the inside of that double bind. So we find ourselves too often in this double bind, locked up in this thing, this uncomfortable place. This, 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 we're, we're afraid and we're scared and we're too afraid of, the, of losing what we know to move into that freedom that might be out there because we don't know for sure. This is, I, I think this double bind is, is an example of shifting from a bad eye to a good eye. A lot of times we see this. It's scary. And shifting from a bad eye to a good eye, you know, bad eye to a good eye, it's scary. And it requires stepping out in faith. It requires doing the hard thing, like literally going to the eye doctor and swallowing your pride get that smirk off your face. That's terrible. That's terrible. It's fine. We're all fine. <clears throat> I don't have too many examples of myself in this. It's fine. Shifting, but shifting from this perspective is it's difficult and requires stepping out in faith. And we could apply this to any one of these five, right? Uh, creation. Rob talked about last week, recycling is hard in Missoula, comparatively to Moscow. I, I remember that. I didn't recycle in Moscow either, so... Still killing it. It's fine. It's fine. I love the environment. Uh, <clears throat> really good at stewarding creation. Um, but recycling is hard here in Missoula. And, and I, I have a little bit of a cynical view on some of that. I did a senior project back in high school that uh, kind of showed me that recycling is ridiculous in so many ways. Um, we crunched the numbers and it just didn't work. And a lot of people just dumped trash in here and the manpower to sort out. It was just... This is terrible, and it gave me a really cynical view. It gave me a bad eye of this. So recycling might require stepping out in faith, learning about why it's difficult here to maybe problem solve, stepping out in faith and having a conversation with people about it. It requires some effort. You got to do something maybe uncomfortable, maybe inconvenient, perhaps. All right, so creation. Resources. I don't have enough time to help out this person. I don't have enough of blank. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough space. 
Perhaps you need to step out and do the uncomfortable thing and say, all right, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give up that guest room or whatever. I don't know how you're going to provide in this, but it's, it's going to happen. Shifting from a bad eye to a good eye. Maybe with yourself, like I've already thrown a couple out here, but my, my, the one that I decided was actually my best that I put on the paper, maybe your shoulder keeps dislocating for like 11 years. I don't know. So you need to do the, the scary, the, 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 you need to like give up the known, the comfort of the known. Yeah, it pops out, but you know, it always comes back in. It's fine. It's fine. No big deal. It's only while I'm sleeping. Uh, but you need to do the scary thing and you need to go to the doctor and do the scary thing of like hearing what he says. And now I have to do surgery, which is inconvenient and also terrifying because, you know, surgery. So maybe you got to do that. I'm just going to throw this out here. Bonus, bonus bit for self is if, if uh, maybe a good sign that you struggle to steward self or, or this might be a trouble area is if you convulse or uh, you deflect, or you cringe, or you develop an eye twitch. Anytime somebody tells you you need to take care of yourself or, uh, or tries to help you, uh, you know, any, anytime that that occurs, that might be a good indicator that you're shying away from stewarding self and you would be in a it's a really comfortable boat to be in. Just, we got cookies. It's fine. Uh, let's just get a bonus there. So uh, relationships, you struggle to trust people, maybe. Just throwing out an example. Maybe you struggle to trust people, and so you end up self-sabotaging your relationships. Maybe you've seen somebody like this. Maybe you are this person. Due to that fear, that fear has you in this place of a bad eye. And so you need to step out in faith and you need to let yourself be authentic with somebody, perhaps. That might be, and, and that's scary, shifting from a bad eye to a good eye. Uh, the gospel, maybe, maybe you don't trust that God really is big enough to show up in your life or in your friend's life or your family's life, that person, or, or in the city of Missoula. We were talking about this this week. Uh, you know, it's, it's got a reputation of being dark. And, and you can get Rob on a really big soapbox if you start that conversation with him. I encourage you to do so. Just, you know, be, be warned. You should have a minute. Um, maybe you don't really believe. Maybe you're, you're looking at it from the eye. God's not big enough. It's this bad eye perspective. And you need to step out in faith and what that looks like of maybe being bold in sharing or being bold in praying, putting that trust in him. That's not easy. Because when, when you invest, there's, there's some risk involved, right? All right, so that was, so I was afraid. And good eye, bad eye, a little bit there. Let's talk about each to his ability, because this weighs in on this. <clears throat> As we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about how we invest, how we steward, how, how do I go about stewarding these places well. The master shows some knowledge about what each of the servants could handle, right? He says, each to his ability. 
So there's this kind of pre-knowledge of, yeah, servant one can handle five, five bags full. Uh, servant two, two bags, two talents. Servant one, he should be able to handle one, one bag. Now, Jen had a good question earlier this week. I can't remember if it was footnotes or sermon club or whatever. Jen asked at some point, how do I move from being a two-talent person to a five-talent person? Which I thought was a great question. And the, Mike's going to know the answer to this one. If you ask a musician, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? You practice. It's not directions. You're not going to get directions. <laughs> That's what Google Maps is for. You practice. We talk about practice here. Come on. Practice. I mean, directions would get you there, but it's not going to get you inside. All right. It's practice. It is, that's the joke, is if, if, you ask, if you ask a musician to get to Carnegie Hall, it's practice. See, because if, if, the, if the master had given the lazy servant five talents, I, I feel like lazy is a bad word for that. If the, uh, if the master given the scared servant five talents, there would have been five talents in the ground. This got me thinking about how many times have I heard or said the, some phrase like, if only I had a bigger room, then I could keep it clean. Circa 1996, Logan Daly. You put the quote on that, right? I just don't have enough space for my stuff. Spoiler alert, Logan got a bigger room, and what happened? I got more stuff, and it was still the same problem, right? I don't know how this occurs. It's magic. If, or, or maybe, if only I had enough, or if only I had blank, then I could be generous, if only, I, if only I made more, then I could be generous. Or if only I had a bigger house, then I could be generous. Or, yeah, no, 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 no. See, if you're generous when you have a little, then you're going to be generous when you have a lot. And if you're not generous when you have a little, if you're stingy, if you have a bad eye when, you're, when you have a little, then you're going to have a bad eye when you have a lot. The amount of stuff that you have or the amount of, the amount of bags of gold does not change whether or not you have a good eye or a bad eye. Think about lottery winners. Lottery winners blow through their money. How, how many times have you heard this story where they, they make millions and millions, more than I'm ever going to make in my lifetime. They get in one big payout, and then all of a sudden, like three years later, they're bankrupt. This happens with pro athletes all the time who get a big deal for multi-million dollar deals at like age 18, and then... Nobody has taught them how to invest properly. And so they're bankrupt and having to do Nicolas Cage. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think Nicolas Cage has to do all of those really bad movies because he like racked up tons of, like he was, I think that's, that, that uh, it might be an urban legend, but I think that's how that occurred, which bless him for doing that. That's the one time this works out well for all of us. <laughs> we need more ghostwriters. <laughs> Now, yeah, there are exceptions. People, and, and, and that's not saying like you're, you're locked in on this. There is that transition. You can move from a bad eye to a good eye, right? 
Think about the, this is a good example, the story of uh, the Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Literally, his name became this thing of stingy, right? A Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck, right? Greedy, going to hold on to everything. He's not going to give his, right? He's a Scrooge. And it kind of took a drastic turn of events to make it happen quickly, right? Because he had a lot and it takes this big wake-up call and he shifts to having a good eye by the end of that story. I think that most of the time that lesson is easier to learn on a small level. So if you can get it when you have a little, then you're set up for when you have a lot. And I think it's a lot harder to learn when you have a lot because that, that gets, I don't want to, I don't want it. Uh, that's a lot I have to give up. Or, you know, you've become accustomed to it. So the question maybe is, are you willing to develop and practice having a good eye right where you're at right now? Because this isn't something that, yeah, in the future, I'm going to work on that. Or maybe within 15 years, I'll have, no, are you willing to work on it right where you are now? Because that's going to change how you steward things. Brings us to our first implication that stewardship is an individual calling. <clears throat> I, got, I got an analogy for you here. Of it, It's an individual sport like golf. Okay? When I, I, I grew up playing golf, and, and when I go out and I play golf, I have to hit every shot. I tee up the ball. I hit it, and I deal with the consequences of whether or not I turned my shoulders all the way through or whether I sliced it. Like, th these, I deal with the consequences. If it goes out of bounds, I gotta, go, I gotta go look for it, or I gotta get a new ball out, or I deal with the consequences. It's an individual game, and yes, I was in a, uh, I was on a golf team in high school, and we played it as a team, but guess what? I still was in charge of hitting every single one of my shots and posting my own score. No one was going to come out and putt the ball for me. I had to figure out how to not three-putt every hole. That was my responsibility. Nobody was going to make up for that for me. So stewardship begins, it at least begins as an individual calling. See, and this reminds me of the kind of the, because it, it's, it's easy for us to, to project and be like, well, we as a team aren't doing very well. Right? Well, we as the human race aren't really stewarding creation very well. Yeah, darn those big corporations that are stewarding things badly, right? Or reminds me of this verse out of Matthew 7. It says, Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you have a plank in your own eye or a log, some translations, right? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly maybe perhaps with a good eye, I would suggest. You'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Stewardship is an individual calling, and it starts with you. 
I can't expect, or it starts with, it starts with me. I'll use an I statement. It starts with I. I can't expect anyone else to make up for my poor stewardship in an area. There's no bailouts in this. Master didn't come and say, well, overall, all three servants, yeah, well, yeah, I think overall there was a, an increase. So good job, guys. I can't slack off just because the Spirit has told me to steward creation in some way, and I can't slack off because somebody's out there cleaning up the Pacific garbage patch and say, go team, but I'm being wasteful here or whatever that looks like. It's an individual calling. Uh, Implication number two, no area of stewardship should be overshadowed by another. You remember back at the beginning, way back at the beginning of the sermon here, that uh, I mentioned some of these areas might be more natural for you. Some of these areas might be less natural for you. I'll throw myself under the bus. Resources, more natural. Self, hidden somewhere in the back. Your favorite area of stewardship can become an idol. It can become this false idol. And anytime you have a false idol, this is the scary part. This is, this is sobering. Anytime you have a false idol, the end result of that is that humans are sacrificed. That's the cost of false idols. People pay the price. Example of that, idealizing resources and things and, and the needs, right? I, I don't know if there's any countries that might sound like they need the newest, greatest, best thing. I know you needed a new phone, but I'm using phones as an example. <laughs> I'm not calling you out. <laughs> but like, I, I need the next, I, oh, they just came out with a new phone. I need the new phone. Or, oh, I, yeah, no, I, I need my cheap Easter candy. Uh, we'll pivot, we'll pivot, Easter candy. We need cheap Easter candy, right? And we need more of it. And it's gotta be cheap because we gotta have all of it. And we gotta have the, we gotta, do you know where that cheap Easter candy came from? Because we, we, we either end up with like planned obsolescence or, or we have to have these cheaper means of productions with, which ends up, you follow it down the line and all of a sudden your cheap Easter candy came from child slaves in some third world country. I'm not joking. It's not cool. So this, this stewarding, and it, but it's good stewardship, right? Because I'm not spending extra on my candy. I'm stewarding my resources well, so that's good stewardship, but it's overshadowing other areas. And it's become this monster, and it's the idol, as opposed to just something that you're taking care of, it's become something that you're worshiping in that case. And it's overshadowing stewardship of the gospel because the gospel does not say that some kid should be working in a sweatshop so I can have cheap resources. Maybe a little more close to home here. The, the, the parent who works way too much and sacrifices their family 
the relationships because they're stewarding resources well or they're stewarding you know, some creation maybe, I don't know. They're spending all their time out environmentally cleaning things, but they're never with their family, with their relationships. And so it's overshadowed it. So when we're looking at this, when we're, when we're wrestling with how do I steward in these areas, it's important that no area gets left behind. It, it doesn't work when they get out of balance. Implication number three, this is not a prosperity gospel. I don't think we've probably picked up, like, I don't think most people probably wouldn't think, oh, yeah, no, Logan's talking prosperity gospel. But I got to be really clear. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is not talking about, like, if you, if you shift from a bad eye to a good eye, somehow, like, turn on the blessing spout, right? That's not what's going on here. See, stewardship by itself is a reward. And yes, servant one, the, the first servant with the five talents, he ends up stewarding 10 talents. And that's probably, you know, in, in a lot of ways you could, you could think about, yeah, I've been given this thing that I need to steward. And, and yeah, that maybe that leads to a good lifestyle or, or it, it appears as blessings. But I mean, read the book of Job. God can, that can go away in a heartbeat. The partnering with God is what's the reward. Being in line with his kingdom, being in line with his mission, that's rewarding. That's fantastic. And then there's the reward that comes at eternity. Because look at the parable, there's this, the master returns. They're talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. They're talking about the return of Christ in this parable. We put our God goggles on in the hindsight 2020, right? He's talking about the return. And at the return, that first servant is given more responsibility. He's given what the third servant had. So there are, like, like Rob was talking about last week, there are treasures in heaven, right? We got that verse right before the good eye, bad eye verse. This is odd. This is, maybe it's not odd. Maybe it's just Jesus doing Jesus things. But in Matthew 6, right before that good eye, bad eye, he says this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And this happens right before he said, like literally the verse before he says, talking about a good eye, bad eye. I feel like the two might be connected. There might be some, might, might be some correlation. And then he says, you can't serve God in money right after that. And made all the Herodians just go, uh! another day. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is a, this is a longer view. Stewardship is not a short term necessarily. It's a long game. The accounting is a long game. Implication number four, there are consequences for poor stewardship. I think we see that in this parable. 
possibly in that ending, right? Now, I'm getting ahead of myself because there are consequences before death. Think about it. Living in fear sucks. It's terrible. Within creation, if you, if you live from a place of fear, you, you live from this bad eye, this perspective of there's not enough and I, gotta, I have to grab what I can and, and not worry about anything other than me right now. What happens? We get ecological disasters or you live in a place that's just covered in trash. Thank goodness Missoula's a little bit better than that. I've been to cities where it, like, it's just gross. It's a lot of bad eye. That's a consequence of living in fear. Resources. You live from that place of bad eye, and um, ironically, I'll make you a bet that you end up in debt. And debt's a terrible master. That's a horrible slave, slave owner. To have a, the hanging over your head, debt's terrible. Living from a place of fear, of, I gotta have it now, or just stewarding badly, not from a place of good perspective. It, it, it's an immediate consequence. Self, well, you're going to end up being sick or you're going to end up being injured for like 11 years. It's fine. We're all better now. See, good stewardship. It pays off. <laughs> it was definitely worth it. All of the terrifying. <laughs> worth it. Okay. Relationships. If you, if, you, if you live from a place of fear, of poor stewardship of relationships, then you're going to end up lonely, alone. Or, or you're going to end up fighting with everybody that you're in relationship with because you're going to have terrible relationships. Or you're not going to get out of the relationships that are unhealthy. You're going to live in this place of fear. I'm afraid to interact with people or, I, or I'm afraid to let go of the, the toxic relationship. There are immediate consequences. Gospel, you're disconnected from God. Your life ends up in chaos. Immediate consequence. And then there are the eternal consequences. And the, the parable is really clear on that. It's, it casts them out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's hell. It's disconnected from God. It's separated from God. It's an eternal consequence. This is not a light, fluffy, like, oh yeah, we need to steward things well. This is a serious topic. And we need to be wrestling with this. Last implication. <clears throat> Our perception of God, uh, sorry, the opposite of fear is faith. I'm jumping ahead in my notes here. To which I would say, our perception of God will always drive how we engage as stewards. That, that eye that you're, the lens that you're viewing things through, bad eye, good eye, that lens is always going to drive. It's always going to affect. It's going to determine how you're going to engage as a steward, either through faith or through fear. And faith invests because fear is afraid to invest. Fear is afraid it might lose something, so it doesn't invest. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. 
when we're stewarding, we leave an inheritance. It's, it's the long game again. This is not, see the, the, the bad eye is a very, it's, it's very up close, immediate. I don't have any future. I'm not looking. It's like when you're, um, if you're carrying a drink. Now I, I haven't been a, I haven't been a waiter. So I, I, I've only been told this, but I'm, I'm told that if you, if you focus on the drink while you're carrying it, you're going to spill it. But if you focus on out in front of you and you just trust that you're going to hold this and it's in your peripheral vision and you just watch where you're going, you don't spill it. Having a bad eye is staring and I'm, I'm focused. I'm afraid that I'm going to spill it and so I do. Having a good eye says I'm going to trust and yeah, my, maybe I will but I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I have a longer view on things. So we invest in creation. That means we endeavor to maintain the world and leave it better for those that come after us. We invest in resources. We steward our land, we steward our, our money, we steward our, our educations. That's a resource. We steward our knowledge. That's a resource. And we make sure that that's there and recorded to pass on the lessons that we've learned. We invest in ourselves. We deal with, maybe, and maybe that looks like dealing with the, the generational trauma, right? Of saying like, this is where I've come from and, and I don't want to pass this on. So I'm going to deal with these things in myself and I'm going to move this roadblock. Maybe that's what that looks like. Or maybe it's just physical health. We steward that well because the best thing that you can give the world is a healthy you. And that's a real cliche statement, but I've heard Aaron Couch say it about a billion times and it's true. As much as I want to be like, yeah, no, it, it's true. We invest in relationships and we're designed for community. So we need to help others grow and develop and invest in those relationships to step out in faith in those places. We need to step out in faith to heal relationships. That's investing in relationships also. Saying, this is broken and I need to, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't want to, but I'm going to do my part to be able to heal this thing. We invest in the gospel. This looks like walking out the kingdom. And maybe in your business, in, in, does the gospel shine out of you in your work environment or in your recreational environment? Are you being honest and acting graciously with people? Do the fruits of, like, do people notice the fruits of the spirit and how you're interacting with them in the business world or in the, in your recreational world? Invest in the gospel by spending time with God. We're going to go through a series in, in a couple of weeks for Lent called Closer to God. The whole thing's about spending time with God. We talk about, you know, Sabbath series and stuff like this. This is all investing in the gospel because if I'm not, if I'm not close to God, then how on earth am I going to model that? It's that idea of it's overflowing from me, right? So investing in the gospel by spending time with God. 
investing in the gospel by being discipled and making disciples. That's what the investing in the gospel looks like. That's what investing in that stewardship is. Your perception of God will dictate how you steward. So I'm going to leave you with this question of where do you need to develop a good good eye? Where do you need to let go of fear and invest in faith? And that's what I want us to chew on this week. That's where we should should leave and we should be wrestling with this. And it's probably not an easy, quick answer, but we should start to chew on this and mull this over and look for those places because it's really easy to ignore those spots. It's easy to see the places where, yeah, I should definitely invest in the things I'm good at. It's easy to ignore the ones that I don't want to look at because I fail at. Where do you need to let go of fear and invest in faith? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.